الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم والشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار ثم أما بعد It's quite common these days especially amongst the younger crowd that people they'll hear their peers and their friends saying the statement I just believe in science it's quite a common statement you talk to your friend you say I'm a Muslim I believe this that they say me I just believe in science or I only believe in what is empirically verifiable the word empirical refers to the five senses see hear taste smell touch etc so the five senses I, I only believe what is empirically verifiable other than the five senses I don't believe this is often what is meant when people say I only believe in science or I believe in scientism or etc there's different uh, terms for it I only believe in that which is observable testable repeatable and so forth so because this is a popular notion and because young people are often asking the question how do we deal with such a belief what do we respond when people make this statement it seems like a safe position to hold it seems like they're being very objective and very fair and I don't know how to respond to that inshallah ta'ala there's a few things that we need to first establish in order to respond to such a position number one we should know from the Islamic perspective there are two ways to learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there are two main tracks or roots if you will that the Muslim believes about how to learn about Allah number one is al-ayat al-quraniyya the ayat the signs the evidences the proofs Qur'aniyya, from the Qur'an, the Qur'anic signs and evidences. And what are these? These are from the 114 surahs of the Qur'an. You study the Qur'an and you get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because that is kalamullah. That is Allah's speech to mankind. That is Allah's message to you and me. However, that is one half of the equation. The other half of the equation is what? Al-ayat al-kawniyya. Al-kawn comes from the word kana yakunu, which means existence or being. Al-ayat al-kawniyya refer to the signs and the evidences from the universe, everything around us. Whether you're studying biology, chemistry, mathematics, physics, and so forth. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us very much to get to know Him in both of these tracks. With regards to the Qur'an, Allah says twice in the Qur'an, Al-Quran. Why don't they reflect on the Qur'an? Encouraging us and criticizing those who do not take the time to think about this incredible miracle, the testimony, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has many different ayat in which Allah encourages us to study the known world. Allah says, for example, speaking about this, uh, uh, this the, speaking about al-kawn, speaking about studying and understanding this universe, Allah says about the believers, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا سُبْحَانَكْ فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ Allah says and describes the believers as those who they remember Allah while they are standing, sitting and lying on their sides. What a beautiful 
excuse me, they remember, yes, they remember Allah while standing, sitting, lying on their sides, and they're constantly, يتفكرون, thinking about the creation of the heavens and the earth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't just encouraging us to think about this creation sometimes, part of the time. SubhanAllah, you could even argue all of the time. At all times, you should be contemplating this creation. And SubhanAllah, this is such an incredible uh, idea and statement. Why? Because, I'm sorry, could somebody please, uh, can somebody turn that off please? Could somebody please turn that sound off? Is that possible? It's very distracting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is encouraging us at all times to be whether you're sitting or you're standing or you're lying down. That means in all positions, at all times you should be reflecting. What does this mean that the believer subhanAllah, the believer is the one who subhanAllah, imagine this, he is the one who is constantly engaged in thinking about this entire creation. So it's not some of the time or partially. It's actually encouraging all the time, subhanAllah. Furthermore, it is not just for the sake of contemplating the creation itself, but because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises that it will be fruitful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what? سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ Allah says that we will indeed show them our signs in the far horizons of the universe and even deep within themselves. This ayah is so amazing. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing whether you zoom out and look at the entirety of this universe, the solar system, looking at the different galaxies, understanding physics, cosmology, astronomy, you will see Allah's signs. And then if you do the opposite, and zoom in into the human body, into your flesh, and then into the cells, and then into the uh, 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 molecules, and, and down all the way to the atom. The more you analyze and zoom in or zoom out, both of them are going to give you ayat that convince you about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, instead of us thinking that we are somehow against science, we should really appreciate that Allah is very much encouraging us to think about these things all the time, and that not only should we do it, but that Allah is promising that there will be a reward in it, that there will be uh, fruits from that uh, uh, study, that we will be inshallah mesmerized and we will be more convinced of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the process. And the opposite is very much criticized. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, That most people don't follow except but assumptions and conjecture. And this is being criticized, as Allah says, That indeed assumptions do not benefit against truth at all whatsoever. So what does this mean? That we as believers, we are not people who just follow blind tradition, and we do not just follow our assumptions, we investigate, we research. This is very much encouragement into scientific research and endeavors. In fact, the only time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands His Prophet to make a very specific dua, is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا Say this, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And therefore all the believers should make the dua, O Allah increase me in knowledge. And the word knowledge is open-ended. Same thing with the hadith. The Prophet says, وَمَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ That whoever treads the path of knowledge, that Allah will facilitate for them the path towards Jannah. Now, yes, it is true that this ayah and this hadith, they are primarily understood as encouragement for religious knowledge. However, the term ilm is open-ended. And because Allah uses this open-ended term of ilm, we should never consign it to just religious knowledge only. We should recognize that the word knowledge, because it's open-ended, and because all knowledge is ultimately from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, therefore all of knowledge of creation will make us better appreciate who the Creator is. Now, another caveat that should be mentioned, it's necessary to mention, 
is that some religious traditions may have a track record of suppressing science or exhibiting some sort of scientific intolerance. However, alhamdulillah, that is not the case with Islam. In fact, Islamic history is rich with scientific advancement. We do not uh, uh, reject, so, so therefore the statement, you know, sometimes you'll hear people make this sort of very frustrated statement. They'll say like, oh, you religious people, you people hate science. You people are so religious and you hate science. You hate it so much, why do you, if you hate it so much, why do you drive cars? Or why do you use phones? Or why do you go to the doctor? And so on and so forth. Alhamdulillah, this does not apply to us. Perhaps other traditions you can accuse them of having some sort of conflict with science, but Alhamdulillah, we find that in Islamic history, the Arabs were a people who had no scientific advancement, and it was because of Islam that they became the leaders in scientific advancement throughout the world, and uh, not just the Arabs, but the Persians and every, every, uh, the entire Islamic empire. And it is only when Islam starts to decrease and we find that a weakness in our iman and in our deen that we also find that we are weak with regards to our, uh, uh, Islam, uh, with regards to our scientific endeavors and research and so forth. So now, now that we've covered this, the groundwork, if you will, here comes the big question. How do we answer somebody who says, science teaches us everything that we need to know? How do we respond to this assertion? Let's first highlight and take a look at the fact that science cannot account for many different fields of knowledge. For instance, logic and rationality. Science does not account and cannot explain logic and rationality. Logic isn't something perceptible by the sentence, as senses. You can't weigh logic. You can't put it under a microscope. It does not have a color or smell. And it isn't established by science because science presupposes logic. You need to have logic first in order to even conduct any scientific inquiry to begin with. So clearly, that is a false notion. The idea that, oh, science is all we need? No. Number one, logic and rationality, it presupposes science. Number two, purpose. It is not something, you cannot establish your purpose from empirical Verifiable, uh, verifiable information. There's nothing that you could see or hear or smell or taste or touch that would give you some sort of a purpose. That is clearly not the case. It is not something that you can prove. Similarly, number three, morality. It is also the case that science describes what is. It does not describe what ought to be. And you can't get an ought from an is. Try to remember this statement. It's a very useful statement. You can't get an ought from an is. What does that mean? If science is telling us what the world is, what, 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 you know, the way things are made up and how things operate and so on and so forth, it's not telling you how it should be. That is morality, that is ethics, and that is something that is not provable through a microscope or so on and so forth. You cannot prove it. And so that is something that's very uh, uh, important to remember. Another way of saying it, in other words, you could say, science is descriptive, not prescriptive. It describes the world, it does not prescribe how the world should be. That is a completely separate field. And number four, subjective experience. Subjective experience is not something that you can prove scientifically. And what does that include? It includes many different subcategories. For instance, testimony, which includes the entire field of history and geography. Right? All of history is testimony. Right? And therefore, if you say, I only believe in that which is empirically verifiable, that which I can experience through the senses, then you're rejecting the entirety of History, unless you lived in, throughout the entirety of history, you can't say you were there and that you witnessed it. Same thing with geography. Unless you've been in every single spot on planet Earth, you have to reject the whole concept of geography. 
because it all comes through testimony. Same thing with aesthetics. Something is beautiful or ugly. This is something that is not within the purview of science. And same thing with even the concept that other minds exist. Right now, I am experiencing my own subjective experience, but I cannot go into anybody else's head and see that you're actually conscious. I can see your bodies, I can see your faces, but I can't actually know that you are experiencing anything. Perhaps you're all, as they would say, philosophical zombies. Somebody, you know, somebody that goes through the motions but is not actually present from a, uh, a conscious point of view. All of this is within the realm of subjective experience and cannot be established. So I hope these are four different uh, categories of knowledge that I hope it's clear to all of us science uh, cannot uh, justify. Furthermore, this idea of scientism runs into several different problems. Number one, if all truth depends on science and all scientific knowledge is tentative or provisional, because we know that science is constantly modifying itself and correcting itself and fixing itself. Well, if you take that to be your ultimate truth, what you're saying essentially is that I absolutely don't believe in absolutes. It's a contradiction. How can you absolutely take science when science itself isn't an absolute, it's constantly in revision, it's constantly checking itself and modifying itself? If you want to take that position, it's fine. But you have to admit that your beliefs are in constant flux, and therefore you are in no position to criticize anybody else because you don't actually have a position to criticize from. You're, one day you're criticizing for somebody, somebody for believing something, the next day you might believe what he believes. You have no idea. You are ascribing yourself to something that is constantly in flux. That is something you need to realize is inherently a problem with your position. Another way of looking at this, another way of explaining this, is that truth can be defined as that which corresponds to reality. I hope that's a fair enough statement. Truth is that which corresponds with reality. Now the question is, Whose perception of reality is considered authoritative? Everyone's reality is subjective unless they're omniscient, unless they know everything. Because only an omniscient being has an objective perception of reality. Therefore, the pursuit of truth is, is an attempt towards getting, moving towards omniscience. Now, if God is real, seeking that truth is worthwhile because God, the ultimate knower of objective truth, is a real goal that you're seeking to reach. Through learning more, you are seeking out Allah, Al-Haq, Al-Alim, the All-Knowing, etc. However, otherwise, you're endlessly trying to transition from subjective knowledge to objective reality while knowing that ultimately it's impossible because you'll never know everything. So it is, you're, you're running into somewhat of a frustrating dead end, if you will. Wallahu ta'ala alam. And the second point that I want to give, which I think is perhaps the funniest, perhaps the most interesting point about this statement when somebody says a proposition is only true if it can be scientifically proven you can simply ask that individual can you prove that statement to be true and the answer is no why because they've left the realm of science and they've entered the realm of philosophy to say even the statement itself a proposition is only true if it can be scientifically ver verifiable or provable that is not science it's a philosophical assertion. It's a theory of knowledge. It cannot be proven scientifically, and therefore it is self-defeating. It is a self-defeating proposition. So this is very useful for those young people who are in university and struggling with these issues. I hope you can just ask the person, that statement that you just made, is it scientifically provable? And the answer is no. It's like saying, I have never spoken an English sentence in my entire life. I just proved that wrong by speaking that English sentence. Or it's like saying, this sentence is only made of two words. It clearly isn't. It is self-refuting. 
So inshallah ta'ala, we will continue in the second khutbah. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam Bismillah. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Another way that you could approach this issue of scientism or someone who says, I only believe in that which is empirically verifiable. I only believe in that which I can see, taste, t- smell, touch, etc. You can ask the simple question. Ask yourself this question. Does anybody actually live this way? Does anybody apply this as a belief system? Truly, sincerely, wholeheartedly. Let's take a look. Does anybody completely abandon testimony by saying every single scientific experiment and theory I will abandon until I verify it for myself? Because otherwise it's just somebody's testimony. Does anybody live that way? It is impossible. You have to work, science works by using the testimony of those people before you. Nobody says, I will abandon everything until I have done it myself. Such a proposition is not tenable. So no, people don't live that way. What about abandoning all of history? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, look, I've never met Julius Caesar, I've never met Genghis Khan, I've never met these people, so therefore therefore I reject that they ever existed? No. Most people would not make such a statement because it is quite absurd. Does anybody abandon geography? Does anybody say, listen, until I visited every single country, then I reject these maps, this nonsense about, you know, all these, you know, the globe and so forth. Oh, I just reject all that. Why? Because until I've seen it for myself, then I don't believe in it. So clearly, from these three examples, you do live based on testimony. So please, don't make such a statement if you don't believe it. It is simply insincere. Number two, let's take a look at the realm of logic, which is, again, not something that is... Empirically verifiable. You can't see it and smell it and put it under a microscope. But it is something that we use every day. For one simple example, inference. When you infer, does anybody doubt that they had a great, 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 great grandfather just because they haven't met him, because they don't know his name, they don't know what he looked like? No. Nobody doubts that. You know why? They infer it. They simply realize that it logically must be the case. So clearly, you don't work based off of empiricism alone. Furthermore, if somebody sees smoke in their home, do they just relax and say, listen, I'm not going to get up and worry about it until I see the fire. Because until I see the fire, there's, you know, there's nothing to believe in, there's nothing to worry about. No. You, where there's smoke, there's fire. You use inference. You obviously deduce. The moment you smell or see some smoke, you get up and figure out where the fire is. I can give a thousand examples like this. We use inference, we use testimony throughout our lives every moment of every day. These things are constants. So again, when somebody makes this statement, I only believe in that which is empirically verifiable, it's simply not true. You can just give these examples to prove them wrong. Thirdly, when it comes to the moral proposition, when it comes to morality or purpose, when somebody, this is funny because there's two, two perspectives in which it's completely wrong. Number one, the statement, I believe in science because it leads to truth, in and of itself, is a moralistic position. Like think about it, when somebody says, you ask them, what do you believe in? Only, I only believe in science. Why? Because it leads to truth. Why do you care about truth? Because truth is good. Wait, 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 wait. So this is a moralistic position. You're taking a moral position. You're saying from an ethical perspective, the truth is something to be sought. Truth is good. Falsehood is bad. You're, making, you're taking a moralistic stance. That in and of itself undermines your position. 
because morality is not something that is empirically verifiable. I hope you are all following. You could ask them, how can you use science to undermine morality when your love of science is rooted in a moral stance? Your love of science is rooted in a moral position to begin with. It doesn't make sense, it is problematic. And furthermore, at any moment, you have a theoretically infinite number of poss possible things you could be doing, at every moment of every day. Right now, alhamdulillah, people are sitting and listening. You could be jumping up and down, rolling around, screaming, interrupting, you could be doing a lot of things. But you choose to do this one thing, of listening. Is your choice something that is scientifically provable to be the best? Absolutely not. It is a moral position. It is perhaps in line with your purpose. My purpose of getting up this morning was to go to the masjid, listen to the Jummah khutbah, etc. If you remove the concept of morality, if you remove the concept of purpose, you can't place one choice or one, uh, 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 one root of actions, one, one, one uh, uh, set of actions over another. You can't say that these actions are better than some other actions. And therefore, if you purely operate based on science, you would be stuck, you would be frozen, because you couldn't make a single decision. Because what makes one decision better than the other? Even the concept of better is a moral stance. And so, in conclusion, inshallah ta'ala, I hope it's clear that when somebody makes this statement that all I believe in is that which is empirically verifiable, all I believe in is that which is scientifically provable, what they're doing is they're taking something true and they're trying to pretend it's the only source of truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, وَلَا تَلْبِسُوا الْحَقْ بِالْبَاطِلِ Do not mix truth with falsehood. Yes, you have something true, but that doesn't mean you have to pretend it's the only truth and supplant every other kind of truth that is possible. Yes, alhamdulillah, we as Muslims, we believe that science is a wonderful tool and we are encouraged, as I mentioned earlier, very much to explore science and to learn as much as we can of this natural world. But that does not mean that we, it is the only source of knowledge. In Islam, we have ilmul hawas. Ilmul hawas is the senses, the knowledge of the senses, which is exactly what we're talking about, the, uh, the, uh, empirical knowledge. However, there's also al-khabr al-sadiq. Al-khabr al-sadiq means reliable testimony. And from that we get history. And yes, the Muslim is encouraged to study and learn from history. And furthermore, ilmul aql, knowledge of rationality, of rational and logical truths. This is something that we are supposed to and we are encouraged to use as well. So to pretend that there's only one is similar to imagine if you are going fishing with a friend of yours and he's showing off his amazing fishing rod. And you're impressed. You're like, yes, it's, an, it's a very impressive tool. And he says, see, I can throw it in and I get one type of fish. And I throw it in again, I get a different type of fish. And you're like, yes, I agree. It's a wonderful tool that you have. And then he jumps to the conclusion and says, anything that I can't catch must not be in the ocean. Anything that's in the ocean, I must be able to catch it. And anything else must not exist because this thing is so good. Look, I can prove it to you. Look, I go in again and I pull out another fish. I go in again, I pull out another fish. Therefore, because it's so reliable, because it's so good, Anything I can't pull out must not be there. Now, I think everybody would immediately realize this is foolish. What about the rocks at the bottom? Even if I don't know all the positions of the rocks and the sizes and the weights and so forth, I know that they're there. And I know that there are very big fish and very big animals and so forth down there that you can't catch. They're too big for that. And furthermore, the most obvious, you can't pull up the water. The hook doesn't lift up the water. And just the same way, science depends upon and is held up 
by logic and by testimony in that same way your whole boat and your body and the whole rod is held up by the water. So how can you then say, no, if it, if it doesn't pull it up, then it doesn't exist. When you're looking at the whole water itself, the whole ocean is right there for you to see. So I hope the analogy works for you all, inshallah ta'ala. And so with that, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who take advantage of all forms of knowledge, who specialize and teach our youth to specialize in ilmul hawas, in the natural sciences, whether it be biology and chemistry and physics and mathematics and so forth. But at the same time, we should specialize in al-khabr al-sadiq, in reliable testimony and, may, and become specialized in history and learn from the lessons of history. And we should all be, also become specialized in ilm al-aql, in the knowledge of rationality and philosophy and so forth. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those ultimately, of course, to learn al-ayat, not only al-kawniyah, but al-ayat al-qur'aniyah, that we also learn from the Qur'an and understand these, and understand the book of Allah, the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the ultimate miracle. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, ameen ya rabbil alameen. اللهم اهدنا في من هديت وعافنا في من عافيت وتولنا في من توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك إنه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت ربنا آتنا في دنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سلم كثيرا وأقم الصلاة